0: Happy to have you in the house tonight. You look beautiful. You look worshipful. You look like you're hungry for the Word of God. Thank you, team. Another amazing time of preparing the soil for our hearts. I welcome everybody watching online tonight, King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms. Welcome to Jerusalem. Welcome to King of Kings Community. We're so happy to have you. We've been in a study called Does God Change? It's a study in the book of Zephaniah, and we are on the final week. Now oftentimes, before I start a sermon, I, I just want to thank a few people, and you get to know a lot of our pastors. Thank you, Pastor Veco, for leading us in the Lord's Supper, and Pastor Mike, today leading us in a special opportunity to give uh, as we move to the Hanukkah season with Orphan Shabbat and Orphan Sunday. Make sure you get a chance to participate in that. But, Sometimes the worship team, we get to thank them, we get to thank the production team, sound guys, the camera people. But tonight I just want to say a a couple of names and a couple of thank yous to people who you may not ever see, although you see the work of their hand. Okay, and I'm certainly going to leave some people out, so forgive me. If I do, you can write me an email, say, Pastor, I was really offended, you left me out, it's okay. Okay. You know, you have to take a risk sometimes as a leader. Sometimes you wanna say thank you to some people, knowing you're gonna get backlash from others, but you gotta take the risk anyway to say thank you. I'm willing to do that. Thank you, Ula, for all that you do for King of Kings. Thank you. Thank you, Joanna. And thank you, Vivian. Thank you, Jackie, and Tyro, and, and Monique, and Sam. You know, Pastor Sam, he does so much for King of Kings. Thank you so much, guys. Um, A lot of them you'll see in the lobby. Sometimes you'll see them running around down here. Dirk, thank you. Atul, thank you. Catherine, thank you. So many people who are so into this community. I had a funny statement. When we were uh, still a little bit more restricted than we are tonight, when we could have less people in the house, we would come and worship. And, of course, most of you guys were benefiting from the online uh, perspective at that moment. We are very grateful for the team. And somebody made a comment that, well, every, you know, everybody that came tonight was serving. And they said it like it was a bad thing. And I stopped them, and I corrected them, I said, you just, you just said our dream statement at King of Kings. Everybody who came tonight was serving, that is great. You might have meant it as a negative, we see it as a positive. So King of Kings in the house, listen to me, we have a place for you. See our First Encounters team. We want you to be part of this family at a deeper level. It's all available for you. You're going to hear a little bit more about that tonight as we dive into the Word of God. I'm going to specially uh, open in prayer. I don't always open the sermon in prayer, but I will tonight because I've had a head cold. You notice I'm going with red tonight. I'm normally a green guy. I went with red tonight for your safety, not for mine. Me and some of my children had a head cold this week. My voice is If the pattern holds tonight, it's going to come in and out. It's going to be a couple of squeaky moments tonight. That's okay. I get to identify with my son who's preparing for bar mitzvah. You know, we get to identify with the squeaky part of, of life. He's running cameras tonight. Love you, buddy. We're going to pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight, for this book, for the study we've been able to encounter. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this room tonight in a deeper measure. Touch our hearts. Let us grab onto something that helps us to move at least one step forward tonight on our journey with you. Thank you, Lord, for one step at least tonight of that deeper revelation. Father, would you just touch my body, give me wisdom, give me strength tonight, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Help this voice to hold up. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So tonight I probably will go to the water a little bit more than normal. So pardon me for that, but I think it will pay off in the long run. Over the last couple of weeks, you can catch this on archive. We talked about the coming judgment of the Lord by fire, that God didn't want to bring it. He gave us a warning. He gave us a window when we could make a change. God gave us the prescription of his mercy and of his favor. And we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter three. So if you're there with me, let me open with the first couple of verses. Zephaniah three, verse one and two. Woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. The first thing I want you to see tonight is who we're talking to. We're talking to Jerusalem. Therefore, we're talking symbolically to the Jewish people. That's who we're talking about here. This is God's perspective. Did you notice that? She obeys no one. And here it says that she accepts no correction and then immediately connecting the idea of receiving no correction to not trusting in the Lord. If we trust in the Lord, basically we'll flip it around. If we trust in the Lord, then not only do we obey, but we receive his correction. Right? That's the inverse if you flip it. Instead of speaking in the negative, you can speak in the positive. But she accepts no correction, and thus she does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. Notice the connection between drawing near to God. You say, but I'm a person who wants to draw near to God. Well, it's connected to receiving correction. Did you catch that? I don't want you to miss that right off the bat. But I'm a person who trusts in the Lord. Yeah, but that's also connected to receiving correction of the Lord. And now I'm probably getting into some territory that none of us like. I'm not particularly fond of correction myself. I don't love it. I know it's important. Hopefully I've grown enough in the Lord to know when to listen and receive it. But even then, I'm sure I miss it many times. Maybe there's someone else in the house like that tonight. Here comes the the accusation toward Jerusalem. Look at verse seven. Of Jerusalem, I thought, surely... You will fear me and accept correction. There it is again. Then her place of refuge would not be destroyed, nor all my punishments come upon her. But they were still eager to act corruptly in all they did. The idea of correction comes up against, and it's being compared to chapter two, when we were told, but if you will make a change, then you can have my favor and my mercy. And he's saying here, you wouldn't receive correction, you wanted to continue down a path of destruction. The problem with this is that the correction of the Lord is meant to take us from lower character to a higher place of character and obedience and it's linked with trusting the Lord and drawing near to him. And so that becomes the basis of our discussion tonight. Proverbs chapter three, verse 11 and 12 reminds us, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father in the son that he delights. This is actually one of the ways God expresses his love for us. And if we say no to correction, we're we're kind of rejecting the love of the Lord. Not only are we not trusting and not only are we not drawing near, but we're rejecting. A, and a reached out arm of the Lord of love. That's an expression of his love. I discipline those I love. And we're saying no to that. And the word of God says that's, that's not how we grow. We're, we're trying to get from lower character to higher character. And when we do something like that, we, we really are talking about the, the process of transformation. That's a good word we can use, right? Transformation making a change, transforming something. And in the body of believers, when we read the word of God, when we experience life together in community like this, and this is a wonderful community. It's not the only wonderful community, but it is a wonderful community. There's a transformation process that can come in lots of different ways. And I want us to be flexible and creative to what those ways might be. I'll give you a few examples. Some of the ways that we can grow happen in our group discipleship class. There's a couple of weeks left. You can join us on Wednesday night at six. How about our community groups and our small group gatherings, our prayer gatherings up in the summit, accountability partners? How about some one-on-one meetings that we do with several of our guys? What if you need counseling? Well, we have that too. Praise the Lord. You can listen to sermons. You can go to seminars. You can even attach yourself to inner healing ministries and and prayer groups, intentional communities, communities that sell everything, and they, they build life together, and they're just gonna live together, and it's gonna produce a higher level of character and a higher level of accountability. They share compounds. There's even times where we have discipleship in bubbles. They call them training bubbles, like the YWAM groups. You know, sometimes we train in bubbles where you don't have a lot of interaction with the outside world for a while. It's a little training bubble. And all of the methods are good, and they can all be fruitful. We can meet weekly. We can meet daily. We can meet twice a month, once a month. I've heard them all. By now, in in my walk with the Lord, in my time in leadership, and I'm about 24 years in leadership right now. And through that experience all over the world, I I have experienced and tasted every one of those options that I just mentioned to you and they can all work. And today, I've been in a kind of an intensive study from a pastoral angle because I'm always curious about what helps people to grow. I wanna grow, I wanna continue to take steps forward. I mentioned that in my prayer. If I could take one step forward today, just one, then that's growth. But I'm not only looking at myself and saying, Lord, how can I grow? I'm looking at all of us together as a community and saying, God, how can we grow? Are we being transformed? Are we making steps? Are we becoming mature? And I've been reading several books lately about some quote, can I throw up some quotes? You ready for this? Some quote, new methods. You gotta be careful with the new methods. Some new methods. They're doing a lot of study right now about how the body works how the brain works, how the brain connects with emotions and that inf- impacts the body and that impacts how you are drawn to sin. And there's a whole lot of like interconnectivity. And I think as believers, we know that, right? We know we're, we're a body, we're a soul, we're a spirit. Our mind is active, but our mind can also control other parts of our body and our spirit, if it, you know, a downtrodden spirit is like you know, aching in the bones, there's all these interconnectivity that we understand now with modern science. And so some of the techniques that we're being taught now are quote, very new, cutting edge. So let's throw them in there too and say that's another good possible way to learn and be transformed. But here's what I've learned. No matter what method you choose and no matter what method the congregation might give as, as an opportunity for us, all roads lead to choice. Every one of these methods will eventually, when you strip away every bit from inner healing to counseling to learning the Bible to accountability and, you know, protecting your eyes and your ears and walking and communal, everything's finally stripped away. You're going to come down to the last remaining element of growth, and it is always choice. And it's important that it's choice. It's not a bad thing. It's important that it's choice. Listen to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Offer your bodies, that's an action. That's a choice you make. I choose to offer my body, and I gotta do it every morning. There is no automatic withdrawal. God is not on that kind of modern bank system. I'm not a fan of that. I said, Pastor Chad, this because you're old school. Yeah, I know. But I love to know that when I go to the bank, they recognize me. I want them to know my name because In my history, I've had a few problems with the bank, and if those people didn't recognize me and know me, they wouldn't have helped me. There's nothing wrong with direct deposit, direct withdrawal. But that's just not how God works. It's not like every morning you wake up and it's just all taken care of you. It's all done, just, you've got nothing to give today. Just wake up, no. That's not how the Word of God works. Every morning we decide, we make a choice. I will offer myself today. We're not talking about salvation. You're saved by grace through faith, a free gift of God. What I'm talking about is transformation. It's different. And we don't transform if we don't make the choice that God lays out in front of us. First of all, to offer our bodies, and then do not be conformed. That means there's an activity done on our part. We have to choose that activity. I will not conform. I will not conform. Everything around me wants to change me, and I will not change to be like the world. I will not conform to that. That's a choice we make. I learned something, and I I pass it along to you. I've always passed it along to my kids. No one ever falls into a good habit. You ever notice that? No one accidentally had a good habit. I just woke up this morning and, oh, look at that. My life just turned out great. My teeth were brushed. These clothes were all ironed. My goodness, the house was clean by itself. I opened the dryer and all the clothes were folded. It just happened. You build good habits. It's an action. It's a choice. You build good habits. If we're going to get in the word of God in the morning, nobody's going to make you. You have to choose that. But transformation and growth in the Lord is the same way. And it connects with this idea of God loving you through correction. He loves us through correction. But there's a moment that we have to choose to say yes to that. If we're speaking of unbelievers, then they have to choose, and we all did it if we're believers in the house. At some point, we chose to say yes to Yeshua's gift, it was a choice. Maybe we're young in the Lord and we're just growing. Well, that growth step, that next one for you is a choice. Are you going to be in a community group? Are you going to go to discipleship class? Are you going to be faithful in the congregation? Are you going to find a place to serve? Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it. Maybe you've been in the Lord a long time. You're a maturing believer, and yet you're still pursuing growth. And the same message applies. I'm encouraging you every morning, wake up and choose it again. Choose to be transformed choose to offer your body, choose to not be conformed to the world, it's still a choice every morning. It's an internal fire. It's something that no one can do for you. A long time ago, like a hundred years ago, I was a basketball coach. And I came into this little private school, it was a little Jewish private school, and the year before I got there, They won zero games, and it was kind of sad. I remember the first day of practice, I was like, oh, I get it, now I know why you won zero games. Okay, I get it. And we started to just go to the basics, start teaching the guys, this was high school level, basketball, and I didn't have a lot of coaching experience in basketball at that time. I'd been a baseball coach, but not not in basketball. But I went to some basics, read some books, watched some videos, tried to figure out a couple of things, got the guys in shape. But I noticed early on, there was, this, there was this little guy on our team. And he was probably the smallest guy. He was definitely the skinniest guy. And he couldn't jump that high. And when you're small, when you're short, and you're skinny, and you can't jump very high, usually you're not very good at basketball. Because I don't know how many of you in the room know about basketball. Basketball's played up here. It's for the tall people. But you could not stop this little guy. And after all the tryouts, we were picking, you know, making sure who made the team and who didn't make the team and who was captain, whatever. He ended up being the captain of our team. And when somebody asked me, I think, I think the athletic direct, director asked me one time or the principal asked me, why did you choose him to be The captain of the team, he's like the smallest little guy. He looks like he's going to break. I said, try to break him. I've tried. I've tried to break that guy in practice over and over, and I can't break him. He has so much internal fire, I never have to worry about him. He comes early to practice every day. He stays late. He does every drill. He practices at home, and you can see him getting better and better every week. He may not have been the best one on day one, but a month into it, he was better than everybody. Because he had an internal fire that someone couldn't put there. I had more athletic guys, I had bigger guys, taller guys, faster guys, and I couldn't get fire into them. I couldn't do it. I tried every method I knew how. But this guy never had to worry about his internal. And there's something as believers, I think God wants us to hear that message. I can't do it for you. I've done for you what I can do for you. I died for you, you have my blood, you have my salvation. I can't make you get transformed if you don't want to be transformed. And that's the word of Zephaniah to Israel. Israel, God has given you these opportunities, but he can't make you do it. At some point, we as believers, all roads lead to choice. And when you're speaking about a congregation, of course, we all know there's no perfect congregation. There's no perfect community or organization. There's no perfect family. Someone can be loved, accepted, be given growth options, small group opportunities, classes that are available, wonderful worship services, counseling can be offered. But if they do not choose to engage in these things, to learn from them and apply them and the lessons to our lives, we will not grow in character because someone cannot do it for you. It's just like my little basketball player. You have to have an internal drive that wakes you up in the morning and starts your own engine. No one else can start it. And choice is so important. Did you know, I was teaching that uh, this week, uh, we have some Asian partners and I had the opportunity uh, to speak to them this week and we taught a class on commitment. And I showed them in the word that in the New Testament, nine different times, it says the phrase, make every effort. And somehow that's been left out of the gospel. I mean, we just, we got to bring it back, the full gospel of Yeshua. Pastor Derek was translating for me uh, into Chinese this week, and we said, listen, when you said yes to Yeshua, you were given a sword for a reason. You were given armor for a reason, because you're in a battle. It takes there's some effort there. You can't earn your salvation, but when it comes to being transformed, you have to say yes to the methods that God is giving you. No one can put internal fire into you. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 and 12. Why don't you turn there? Let's see if we can't get this voice back down to normal. Ephesians 4: 11, 12 and 13. So Yeshua himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Messiah may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of the Messiah. So we help people understand truth. We lead them to the source of life and truth. We encourage them to choose wisely. But then this passage, it mentions being built up reaching unity, becoming mature. Those are character development terminologies. It's talking about growth spiritually. But here's the, here's the kicker tonight. What I want you to take away from it is this. Did you know that as important as character transformation is, character transformation is not the ultimate goal. Oh, Pastor Chad, you teased this with that one. What do you mean? Character development is not the ultimate goal. Yeshua himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Character development is an important part of this. It's a crucial part of this, but it's not the end goal. I'll give you our first key phrase tonight. I've said it already. Character growth is not meant to be the end goal. Maturity and character is an initial goal, but it is not the ultimate goal. Let me give you our second key phrase tonight coming right after this. Character growth prepares us for leadership and influence now and rulership in the future. That's the goal. That's the actual goal. Character transformation gets you ready to do those things. When we grow in the Lord right now on earth, we are growing to become leaders and influencers. And you say, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, but you're an influencer no matter where you're at. You're influencing your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your extended family, your coworkers, people in the community, the unbelievers. You are in, you're an influencer if you're in Yeshua. And character development helps us to be a better influencer. But character development in and of itself was not the goal. It's to prepare you to do a good job with the goal. And the goal is to be a leader and an influencer in this world and to be a ruler with Yeshua in the age to come. That's the actual goal. That's why when you look at the prerequisites of leadership in the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, Acts chapter 6, character transformation is a prerequisite to leadership. It's not just a prerequisite and then nothing. There's something that it leads to. We are transformed in order to accomplish something. We are created with a purpose. Our purpose catch this, our purpose in being created was not simply to not sin. Like that wasn't the only thing we were created for. How do you know that? Because when God created Adam and Eve, he already had that. They were already sinless. So that should have been the end of the goal. They'd been fully transformed. There was nothing to work on. Ah, because it wasn't the actual goal. The goal was to rule and to have dominion and to Receive delegated authority from the Father to govern the creation. That's the actual goal. Transformation helps us get there. And when you think about no community being perfect and no ministry being perfect, of course, no family is perfect. Choice becomes so important in all of this. There's not a better teacher than God. There's not a better pastor than Yeshua. God had created a perfect paradise. Think about the congregation of the Garden of Eden. Just think of it like a congregation. It was perfect. Trees of life, you know, that was just, you know, there's the tree of life here and fruit everywhere. Animals all around, nobody's eating anybody. You know, it was really good. Perfect environment, perfect teacher, walking in the cool of the day, perfect instruction. And Adam and Eve still had to choose. Yeshua walked on the earth. He'll be better than any leader that will ever come past, present, or future by far, and still so few chose. If there's any parents in the room, you get this. I had a a meeting this week with a very well-respected pastor in the land here in Israel, and we were discussing our children. And we were talking about, he he had four children, I have four children, and we were talking through, why does one child choose one path and the other one chooses the other path, and they grew up in the same home? Ah, it's because choice is present. Choice is always present. And it's a major contributor to whether or not we will be transformed or not. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse five. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And of course we know why, because he loves us. If we took away choice, then our relationship with God would not be genuine. So he has to put free will into life, but that free will has to be exercised in order for transformation to take place. And this is what Zephaniah is constantly going back to Israel on. He's saying, Israel, you're not receiving correction. You need to choose this. God is presenting it to you. He's giving you the window of opportunity here. Trust in the Lord. Draw near to him. Receive his love through correction, through discipline, through transformation, so that you can do the thing you were intended to do. Peter The Apostle Peter oftentimes will take a hit. He was a pretty vocal guy. But in putting himself out there, Peter was actually pretty good at getting disciplined and then fixing it. Right? Father, I'll never, Yeshua, I'll never deny you. Well, actually, you'll deny me three times, and then I'll have to come back, and we'll have this awkward conversation, and I'll be like, why'd you deny me? And then you'll give me some things, and then I'll say, but I forgive you, and I'll do it three times, and then, You'll feel like you're reconciled. That whole thing. What about in the, the garden when he was praying? They're coming to arrest Yeshua. Peter, he's a man of action. Takes out the sword, starts cutting people's ears off. And Yeshua just had to correct him and be like, Peter, put the sword down, man. Pick up the ear, put it on the guy, you know. Now how that guy didn't get saved, I have no idea. How How, how is that even possible? Choice. It was all there for him. Peter, Lord, we're never going to let anybody, nothing's going to happen to you, even to death. Peter, just, uh, Peter, if you could just get behind me, Satan, just for a minute. Whoever's influencing Peter's mind right now, get behind me. Peter had to receive some hardcore correction out in public. The whole fact that you even know he got corrected is kind of embarrassing for Peter. But Peter was so good at embracing the correction, trusting the Lord, drawing near to the Lord by saying, "You're right, I, I, my heart was there, but I wasn't I, I did it, I might have done it wrong. My heart was in the right spot. I received the correction. I'm going to make a change. And then, because he was so good at receiving correction, Yeshua could come back to him and say, "Peter, it's on, on you I'm going to build the congregation." Not because Peter was so perfect. It's because Peter could receive correction. you want the Lord to trust you and start using you to build the congregation? Learn from Peter. Why is David considered one of the greatest kings in Israel's history? Certainly not because of his righteous track record. It's because he could receive correction from the Lord, from the prophet, repentance. There's something there, guys. There's something Israel wasn't getting, and Zephaniah knew it. And he was trying to draw it out of them. I almost had my wife come up here tonight and, and, and share two testimonies about people in our family. Worship team, you can come on out. Because we had one person in our extended family grew up in a loving home. Parents, still married, go to congregation all the time. They were part of youth groups. They had friendship circles. Everything was good in the family. They walked away from the Lord and it didn't make any sense. There was another family. The parents had been divorced four times. They had moved 25 times in a five-year span. The dad, or one of the dads, had been caught dealing drugs and got arrested, and they, they suffered physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, all of the above. They were abandoned several times, and somehow this child chose the Lord. And you say, that's not fair. For the one parent who poured everything in, the child's not even walking with the Lord. And the one who didn't even care, the child is walking with the Lord. How is that fair? Choice. It's choice. All roads in transformation lead to choice. We will all end up at the same part no matter which small group you go to, which congregation you go to, what class you participate in transformation, all roads lead to choice. And I'm encouraging us today as a body, choose the Lord, choose his correction. And before we judge anyone else or any organization, we have to remember this, that no congregation is perfect no group is perfect, no, no community group is perfect, no class is perfect, no family's perfect. But if we go through a report card, we're putting unrealistic expectations on somebody to say, if you make the environment right, I'll grow. No, that is not how it works. We're gonna make an environment, but you still have to choose. There's no environment good enough to make you grow. You have to choose to put your roots down in that rich soil and grow. Take the nourishment from it. And secondly, if we try to blame someone else, we are doing away with personal responsibility. Let me just close in summary. Regardless of what methods are used in discipleship and character growth, whether the methods are ancient and traditional, or whether they are new and shiny trends, the bottom line is that all roads in transformation lead to choice. You either choose to listen to the Holy Spirit or you don't. You choose to say yes to the Word of God or you don't. You, ch- you choose to be part of community or you don't. And when the Lord taps you and says, I'd like to make a correction today, you, s- you choose to say yes to that or you choose to say no to it. And God is such a gentleman, he will not force himself which is where free will comes in Zephaniah is encouraging Israel to accept the correction and the discipline of the Lord not simply because God wanted Israel to be sinless but rather that Israel would be a good example to the other nations to have influence and to bring others to a deeper revelation of God's salvation we're similar you see friends we were not bought with the price to do nothing with it we were not saved to do nothing Our character is not changed for nothing. It's changed for a reason and a purpose. We were not given giftings to stand passively by and not to use them. We were not promised power of the Holy Spirit to not use it. We have a calling. We have a job. It's an important purpose even now. But transformation of character is always a choice. But even character transformation is not the final goal of the believer. It is preparation for the works of service. And those works of service are now on into eternity. It's leadership, influence, and finally rulership with the Messiah as a co-heir. Can you stand? You've been sitting a while, let's stand. Let's get some blood flow as we pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, not an easy word tonight. Not an easy one to receive. And we thank you that you have a a great plan for your people. That we get to lead, influence, and rule with you. Both now and into the age to come. And Father, we pray that our character is able to match up with what you've called us to do. We're not there yet. But tonight, Lord God, we want to commit to this. We want to commit to allow you to transform us through correction. We want to make a commitment to glean from the rich soil that you've put us in. We want to commit to saying yes when you have a word for us, God. Knowing that all of it is moving down a road of purpose. not just so that we can stand there and be sinless like a trophy and God could say look he's sinless but just like Adam and Eve were created with a purpose of dominion and rulership so are we so thank you for these moments Father as we worship touch our heart touch those few areas we need to, to look at God because we want to say yes to you tonight In the name of Yeshua, amen.